you know, I think, well, when I do a funeral, I, you get pretty much the same thing from me. I, some different nuances and some things that are maybe a little more personal. But I, I hope if you're like me, you just love to hear the gospel again in that context about the hope that we have in Christ. And thank you so much. That's, that's a good, such a good combination there. Um, and I think as we turn to Galatians chapter 1 again this morning, uh, there's a sense in which that is, is really suitable to what's going on in Paul's writing to the churches of that region of Galatia. Uh, because the word he'd gotten was that after he'd gone and, and he'd told them about Jesus and how they could have the forgiveness of their sins and the gift of eternal life by entrusting themselves to him and, and just receiving it as a gift. He'd heard that, that there'd been those who had come in and had said, well, you know, Paul gave you some good information, but not entirely. He missed some things. There's some things that you need to do, especially those of you who are Gentiles. You can't just walk right into a relationship with Jesus. You first need to kind of come through the door of being Jewish first. Uh, Men, you need to be circumcised. You need to keep certain parts of the law. Of course, it was their particular twisting of the law and how it was to be obeyed. And they came in and they gave them what Paul said was another gospel, but no, not really another because there isn't another gospel. There's only one gospel. And that really brings out the truth to us that it's really important to have good sources for the information you take in. I think that's especially true in our day when we have access to so much information. We have access to more information than any other generation or generations in history. You know, we get in our computer and we type what we want to know in that little search bar, right? And back comes maybe hundreds of thousands of results. And you have to be really careful and discerning which information you choose to look at, right? Because there are some really good sources out there, but anybody can get on their computer, you know, put some information in and send it out to the world. You know, so if you just click on every result that comes up, you might get some really bad information. In fact, just downright misinformation, lies are out there for us. It's not really any different from Paul's days. It's just more available to us, and there's more of it available to us. And so as Paul was facing that same thing with the Galatians, they'd, they'd heard the truth from him. They'd, it seemed like they'd believed. They'd, they'd, they'd followed and, and entrusted themselves to Christ and received salvation. But now they've gotten conflicting information coming in. And not only did they give a different message of the gospel, but it's pretty clear from what Paul writes to them that in order to be credible themselves, they tore down Paul. They said, Paul, well, he's not really an apostle. He calls himself an apostle, but he's not one of the 12. He he doesn't really have the authority to tell you what God's way of salvation is. And so... We're, we're better connected. We, we came from Jerusalem, for one thing. And you know, that's where 
you know, this, this church of Jesus, this assembly of Jesus started, so you can really trust us because of where we came from. And so you remember as Paul just started this, he starts off the very, one of the first things he says is Paul, an apostle, not sent from men nor through agency of men, man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. First thing right off the bat, he says, understand, my message is from God. I have been sent by Jesus himself, not by other people, not even the other apostles, but Jesus himself sent me. And as the verses we're going to look at this morning, he particularly really starts to, to, to bear down on that truth and why his message and his witness can be trusted. And so we begin verse, in verse 11. He says, For I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I never, never, I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former manner of life in Judaism, how I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. But I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, being more extremely zealous for my ancestral traditions. But when God, who had set me apart even from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away to Arabia and returned once more to Damascus. Then, three years later, I went up to Jerusalem to become acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him 15 days. But I did not see any other of the apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now in what I am writing to you, I assure you before God that I am not lying. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, I was, still known by, I was still unknown by sight to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. But only they kept hearing, He who once persecuted us was now preaching the faith which he once tried to destroy. And they were glorifying God because of me. So here, is, as Paul heads into this section, he's, he's elaborating on where he started. The gospel I preached? No, it's not. From man. Somebody didn't make this up and give it to me. I didn't make it up and then share it with you, but it came directly from Jesus. And notice he specifically says, I received it in verse 12 through a revelation of Jesus Christ. And I want to take you back again to Acts. We were there a couple of weeks ago, but I want to reiterate what Paul. Paul says Jesus said to him, now in the Acts 9 account, uh, these details aren't given, but in Acts chapter 26, as Paul is giving his testimony there, he gives a little more detail, and I, and I think this is really crucial to this concept that his gospel was directly from Jesus. Acts 26, verses 14 through 18, Paul, he's, he's in the middle of his account, how he was encountered, he encountered the bright light. And Jesus says, you're persecuting me. And he says, 
And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew dialect, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and stand on your feet. For this purpose I have appeared to you, to appoint you a minister and a witness, not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things in which I will appear to you, rescuing you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. So here are these words that Jesus spoke to Paul, then pretty much always called Saul at that time. He emphasizes that he, he has a purpose in interrupting Paul in, in his pursuits to, to, to persecute the church. He has a purpose in, in showing him the truth that he's going to be a witness and he is going to be a messenger, a servant to take this message that he has to the Gentiles. He says specifically the things in which I will appear to you. In other words, he's going to get further revelation from Jesus. He's getting a tiny bit here about God's purposes for him and where he's going to send him. But he's telling him, you're going to get more from me. And you're going to take that out and give it to others. You are going to be a witness on my behalf of these truths. And, it, and not only that, he, he emphasizes that he's going to rescue Paul from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you. And that word sending is just the verb form of the word apostle. I'm sending you out as my, my rep representative. This is something special. This is something unique. This doesn't happen to every believer. And notice that the point of going and telling them that is that they may receive forgiveness of, of their sins and an inheritance among those who are being saved. And so he's got a very specific purpose for Paul. Paul is to expect further revelation from Jesus himself. And in fact, Jesus, right there from the beginning, says, I'm, I picked you out as one of my apostles or sent ones. And again, focusing in on that, that, uh, that phrase back in, in Galatians, notice he says that he received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Your translation might say, received it through a revelation from Jesus Christ. And there's a reason there's a difference. Because that particular word can be translated either way. It all depends on the context, and, and the context here would allow for either one, and I would say both are pretty valid. There's a sense in which I would, I would lean towards the idea of Jesus Christ, um, simply because, uh, if you remember when the, uh, the 11 gathered together um, 
after Jesus had ascended into heaven, and they said, well, we need to replace Judas. You know, they went back and they studied some Old Testament scriptures about let another one take his office, take his place. And then they laid out the qualifications. And one of the things was that they, they wanted someone who had been with them and with Jesus through a particular, through, through all of the main parts of his public ministry, because Jesus had told them that they were going to be witnesses of his resurrection. So they had needed to have firsthand knowledge. So it couldn't be just someone who had heard about Jesus secondhand, but to be an apostle required firsthand knowledge. I think what Paul's doing here is saying, no, I didn't walk with Jesus those three years of his public ministry. However, I do have an experiential knowledge of Jesus because Jesus has provided that for me, just as he foretold on the road to Damascus. And as he continues on in the chapter, we're going to see at least get a little glimpse of how that happened and how that, how that might have occurred. But a really important thing as an apostle that you, you have a witness, but he was to be a witness of the things that he would see, that he would receive from Jesus. So interestingly here, Paul as the apostle to the Gentiles is sent out with a slightly different uh, mission, you could say, than the other apostles, in that they were witnesses of his earthly life and ministry and certainly had in-depth of teaching from him. Paul, as the, the apostle to the Gentiles, and, and as he said, kind of one born out of proper time, has his information given to him also directly from Jesus. Now, as Paul continues on, he, he builds another part of his argument in saying, one of the reasons that you should trust me, one of the reasons that you should understand that I truly am an apostle is the dramatic change that happened in me. Look at who I was before, verse 13. For you have heard of my former manner of life in Judaism, how I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, being more extremely zealous for my ancestral traditions. But when God, who had set me apart, even from my mother's womb, and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I'm going to stop there kind of halfway through that verse. He says, you've heard what I was like. You've heard what my passion was before that dramatic incident when, when Jesus himself interrupted me in my passion to destroy the church. In fact, if, let's just look at some of his, his own descriptions. Acts chapter 22, verse 4. Look at what uh, the, the, the extreme sense in which Paul attacked the church of Jesus. Acts chapter 22, verse 4, he says, I persecuted this way to the death, binding and putting both men and women into prisons. And so his desire was to kill people who followed Jesus and or to have them killed, right? And, and he didn't limit it just to the men. 
he, was, he wanted to throw women in, in prison too. That, that was a kind of a, a unique and, and strong passion that he had. He just, he just wanted to wipe out or destroy, as he said in Galatians, this church of God. And then you jump ahead to chapter 26, which is another place that he gives a testimony of, of what happened to him. He says of himself, So then I thought to myself that I had to do many things hostile to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And this is just what I did in Jerusalem. Not only did I lock up many of the saints in prison, having received authority from the chief priests, but also when they were being put to death, I cast my vote against them. And as I punished them often in the synagogues, I tried to force them to blaspheme. And being furiously enraged at them, I kept pursuing them even to foreign cities. Everything about the, these verses I've just read says that he had one passion, one thing that he was trying to do. He was trying to stop people from believing in and following Jesus. And he would stop at nothing. He would seek their death, and if there was a decision being made, he would say, no, I'm for the death penalty here. They're blaspheming against the one true God. Stone them to death. That's what he wanted. He would stop at nothing to seek their death, talks about he tried to convince them or force them you know, to, to deny the faith. You know, if you see there in, in 26, he says, I tried to force them to blaspheme. In other words, to speak evil against Jesus. And that's a present tense verb, so it's not like he wanted them to do it once. But I believe even using beatings or torture, he was trying to to totally change their pattern of life that they would never again speak positively of Jesus, but in fact say he was, he was wrong, that he was a curse, that he was a liar. That's what Paul was trying to do before Jesus came his way. And even the, the words that are used there, he had a passionate state of rage about him through all of this. Paul wants us to know this was not just a little thing he did on the side. It wasn't minor, but in fact, it was his passion and it was awful. He was seeking, as it says in Galatians, to destroy the church. And it's interesting that word destroy is only used of Paul in the New Testament because of the passion that he had to get rid of it. So it's no wonder when he says, I did it beyond measure in Galatians, and they tried to destroy because he wanted to ravage and eliminate the teaching of salvation through faith in Jesus alone. Because it went totally against what he had believed as a Pharisee. His whole life had been built up on doing a bunch of good things so that God would favor him, so that God would grant him Salvation, so the, that he would be right with God. He had already worked, worked hard to rack up these religious points in the system he'd grown up in. And so he wanted this threat to what he'd been doing all these years to be eliminated. It's like, no, I can't tolerate that because my whole life has been all about doing good so that I am right with God. 
so that I get reward from God and I get also attention from people. Because notice in verse 14, Paul's religion that he followed before he believed in Jesus was, it was a religion of comparison. Well, how am I doing compared to everybody else? He said, I was advancing in Judaism. Well, he could have just stopped there, couldn't he? I was doing better and better. I don't know, but it's in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen. Oh, so he looked at the people, you know, his age, people in his position. He said, yeah, I'm doing better than most of them. I'm advancing better than most of them are. And even, you know, his contemporaries among his countrymen, in a sense he's saying, you know, you looked around Israel. Well, I, don't, I didn't think anybody was doing better than me, really. At least not very many. Maybe some of those older, revered men. He talked about being taught by Gamaliel in places. It's like, oh, well, see, I had the best teacher. I was the rising star. It was all about how did I compare to everyone else? And it also talks about his, his extreme zealous nature. Uh, he was an extremist for the traditions of the fathers, for the traditions of those who had come before him. It wasn't that he was a, 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 a passionate person necessarily for God. He was extremely passionate for the traditions of the elders. And that was the same attitude that this, the religious leaders who put Jesus to death had, right? They were all about, well, you're not keeping the traditions of the elders, and so you must, you must go. You must be put to death. Paul was right in that exact same vein. And so when Jesus was gone before Paul came on the scene, now he, he, he attacked his church. He attacked the body of Christ, right? So he says, look at the picture of me. That's what I used to be. Only the direct intervention of God was going to help that person that I was, that man that I was. And verse 15 says, but when God, and I love that phrase whenever, whenever it's in the Bible, but God, Here, here's the, the black dark of sin and rebellion against God, but God. And Paul says, that's why I am where I am. Because God did something. God intervened. God came and rescued me. God chose to send me. And so verse 15, but when God who had set me apart even from my mother's womb called me through his grace was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. See, he's saying God planned this in advance. Paul was claiming to be chosen out specially for this apostolic ministry as part of God's eternal plan. That he called me out from the time I was, I was first formed in my mother's womb. I'd have all these years of being born into a, a strong Jewish fariestic uh, family and being trained and, and, and nurtured in that whole thing. But God, oh, it was all long before that, he'd said, no, you are going to be one sent by me. 
And he knew those that were familiar with the Hebrew scriptures were going to say, oh, that sounds like some other people we know. So look at Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. There it says, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. Wow, it sounds an awful lot like what Paul said, right? And those who knew the Hebrew Scriptures would have said, well, Boy, what Paul's claiming here sounds a lot like Jeremiah. And there are places in Isaiah that sound kind of like that. Uh, certainly, prophecies about the Messiah sound like that. But, or, or Moses, boy, God saved him, right, from Pharaoh. And you could just see God's hand in Moses being raised up to be a leader of the Jewish nation and to be a prophet. Paul's echoing that kind of language. It pleased God to do this. He, he picked me out. He chose me. He appointed me back before I was even born. And he did it as a gift. That happened because God's grace was at work in Paul, he says there. Verse 15, he called me through his grace. See, Paul wasn't such a great man, such a great mind that God said, oh, well, if I only had him on my team, we'd do great things. No, no. It was through his grace, through a gift to a man who was going the wrong direction as fast as he possibly could. And God intervened and said, no, I've chosen you. And even though you've been doing all of these things, I'm going to use you anyway. See, Paul got that idea. If you go to, to the book of Philippians, chapter 3, Paul lays that out for us. And he says, although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh. He said, if anybody's going to count on the things they've done, well, I had the best list. <laughs> if there's anybody who had a good list, I had a really good one. And continuing in verse 4, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, the tribe of the first king, Saul, who he's named after, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, a set-apart one, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness which is found in the law, found blameless. Not before God, but he had an exterior righteousness for people to see. But whatever things, verse 7, were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, so that I may gain Christ, and may be found in him not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, that which stands, or that, that, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. 
See, in essence, God had to undo all of those things that Paul had done, thinking he was earning his position before God, earning his standing before God. Had to bring Paul to the point where he said, all that was like manure. That was something gross that should be gotten rid of completely. Paul says, do you understand what a dramatic change happened in me? That's the gospel. That, that speaks to the gospel and my authority to be able to speak that gospel. Because not only that, Paul was then sent to the Gentiles. Uh, this, this Jew of Jews was not sent primarily to people like him, but to the people that he used to despise, the people that he used to look down on and say, oh, well, you're, you're not descended from Abraham. You're not really even hardly worth my time. And now that's where his whole focus is, is taking the gospel to people who were not Jewish. God specifically picked out this proud Pharisee to go to the most unlikely group of people. Well, Paul continues, he says, okay, there's that great change in me, but I found out I was called, I was to be sent by, by Jesus to the Gentiles. Well, what's next then? Well, if we go to that, pick up in the second part of verse 16, he says, I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away to Arabia and returned once more to Damascus. Then three years later, I went up to Jerusalem. So he didn't get training from the other apostles. He'd think, well, if you want to be seen as an apostle, maybe you should get the stamp of approval of those who already bear that name and that position. Because shouldn't the ones who already have that authority teach him and send him? That, that way you'd know for sure that he was, he was accepted, right? Makes sense to us from a human perspective, but, but Paul wasn't directed that way. As the apostle to the Gentiles, he actually had a whole different process than the rest of the apostles. He was to be a witness about what Jesus would show him. That's what Jesus said on the road to Damascus. And so he went away from people. And if you go ahead and put up the map um, up on the board, it says he went to Arabia, uh, which isn't really even all on here, but, but if you got Damascus, here is where he, you know, he went after he was uh, encountered by Jesus. And you see the Arabian Desert, but of course it, it, the, the area of Arabia could extend clear down into the, uh, what we would call Saudi Arabia today. So we really don't know exactly where he went, but he went off by himself. Some people think he went to the, to the area where Mount Sinai is. It could be. Paul doesn't tell us, and I think there's a reason. He just went out into the wilderness, out where he could be alone. The point was that rather than go ask the, the apostles in Jerusalem what he should teach, he went to a remote area to be alone with the Lord, to be with Jesus. Remember, Jesus said he would show him himself. And he would reveal things to him. And this period seems to have lasted from what verse, the first part of verse 18 says for three years. The, the language through here is actually kind of vague. We know there was a period of three years from he was, when he was saved until he went to Jerusalem. But in that sense, I, I think what he's getting at is the other apostles walked with Jesus for three years during his earthly ministry. 
think Paul had a similar period of time that he spent with Jesus out in the wilderness where he was personally taught. And you think about the depth of things that Paul wrote about. You know, read through the letter to the Romans and how he, he gives you such a, a reasoned and in-depth and a, 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 a based in the Old Testament scriptures explanation of salvation and the life in Christ. You look at all of the different things that Paul wrote and explained. He didn't come up with those on his own. But he was taught by Jesus himself. After all, verse 16 says that God was pleased to reveal his son in Paul. And Paul also here says that Paul was preaching him. It's not just that he, he had, a, had a set of truths he was teaching, but he was preaching a person. He knows this one. He doesn't just teach about him or teach his doctrine. It's a very personal thing to Paul. He's preaching about the one he's come to love the most. Kind of like those songs we, we heard we're talking about. Now, the fact that Paul went off into the desert by himself, I, I want to emphasize something I observed as I was looking through this. He doesn't, he doesn't advocate doing this to other people. He doesn't say to the Galatians, now, you, I know I'm an apostle because I went off in, into the wilderness with the Lord, and he taught me himself. My revelation comes directly from the Lord. My, re my gospel comes from Jesus. I am preaching Jesus' gospel, not anybody else's gospel. He doesn't say to the people in Galatia, now you all go out in the wilderness and Jesus will tell, show you that it's true. He doesn't se send them to do that. What his argument here is, I am an apostle. I have a special role. I've been called to this special role by Jesus in order to now take what he's given to me and share it with you. You can have confidence in me, the messenger of Jesus, and you can be, have confidence in the message that I have given you. The teachers who came to you after me don't have that, so you can't put confidence in their message. You need to come back to the source. And it's interesting, as we continue on through Galatians, Paul's still got some more personal things, uh, accounts to tell of his life. But you notice as he argues with them or presents to them the gospel, he keeps touching back to the Old Testament scriptures. See, Paul's point is to go to revelation that God has genuinely given to man through his chosen means. And then Paul, in fact, wrote this down and it was preserved for us, right? God took those, those things that were approved and he put them in a book. And so he doesn't say, well, you go out and, and God will tell you if this is... No, he says, go look at the source that is the true source. Stick with that. Then Paul goes on, he says, I did eventually get to Jerusalem, but it was a brief visit. At the end of verse 18, uh, he talks about uh, after three years, he says, I went up to Jerusalem to become acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him 15 days. But I did not see any of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now in what I'm writing to you, I assure you before God that I am not lying. And so Paul eventually does. So after three years, he gets there. And you can read about this in the book of Acts, both in Luke's account in chapter 9 
then Paul's uh, uh, testimony in, in chapter 22. We don't have time to go through those this morning. Um, but it gives lots of the details for why Paul ended up in Jerusalem at that time. Uh, because after going out to Arabia, he came back to the city of Damascus. And, and he started preaching the gospel, and, and he actually had disciples there, we're told in the book of Acts, people who were following what he was teaching. And he got the Jewish people there so stirred up and that even uh, the king of that area out in Arabia got upset, and there was a plot made against him to kill him. And so they had to lower him in a basket over the wall at night so he could slip away and not be killed. Where does he go from there? Well, that's when he goes to Jerusalem. He then goes to Jerusalem, and what does he immediately begin doing? He begins sharing about Jesus, who is the Messiah, who is the one you must put your faith in in order to be saved. And he, he particularly, it says in, in Acts, goes to a, a synagogue of people from outside of the area of Jerusalem. And his, his witness is so strong that the people who are against it start plotting again to kill him. Okay? And so during this, this 15-day period that he tells us about, the, the other believers say, you know, we better get Paul out of here. So they kind of escort him down to the, to the coast, put him on a, on a ship, and send him off. So... You say, well, he was in Jerusalem. Didn't he and Peter sit down and have a long talk and talk about what they were teaching? Apparently, Paul was pretty busy during those two weeks. He was just out preaching and teaching and, and you know, causing a bit of a stir. It's interesting at the end of that section, it talks about after Paul left, then there was peace in the, in the churches in Judea. In, in some senses, they, they might say, well, boy, Paul just really stirs things up. But it's interesting they didn't say the problem was what, what was Paul was teaching. There were no objections raised that we know of as far as what he was teaching. They were just saying, Paul, you're not going to live long if you stay here. And so as Paul tells us in Galatians, he went on to uh, different places. He went on then from there into the regions of Syria and Cilicia. And, you know, Syria... You know, it's basically Tarsus. Um, you can see it up there on the map. Uh, but he went from, from Jerusalem up to his, his hometown, the place where he was raised. Here's, here's Jerusalem. They stuck him on a, on a ship, sent him off up here to Tarsus. And notice the region where Tarsus is, is Cilicia. Um, after a little while, according to, that was according to Acts 9, verse 30, and by the way, it's interesting, too, that Paul also talks about the fact that when he was in Jerusalem, he was in the temple. You can find that in Acts chapter 22 as well. And Jesus came to him in a vision and said, you need, they won't accept your message, you need to go. And Paul says, but wait, they know all about me. Won't they believe me? And Jesus says, go, for I'm going to send you far away to the Gentiles. And so Paul ends up far away, up there in Tarsus, quite a distance from Jerusalem in his hometown. And he was there for a while. We don't know a lot about what he did there. I can guess. I'm pretty sure that he was busy sharing the gospel, telling people how they could be saved by faith in Christ. But after a while, according to Acts chapter 
11, verses 25 and 26, uh, Paul had a, had a new assignment. Uh, because in Antioch, the believers who were scattered because of the persecution that had gone on had gone there, and they, they just started sharing the gospel with everyone, not just Jews, but Jews and Gentiles alike. And, and if you remember, in, in Acts, it tells us how you know, the church in Jerusalem sent some people down there to check it out, and it was, it was real. And so they were excited, and the report went back to Jerusalem. Look at what God is doing, even among Gentiles up in Antioch. And so Barnabas was part of what was going on there, and he's like, we need, we need a good teacher. So he goes up from Antioch, which you can see, you might not be able to read from where you're at, but here's Antioch right here. Okay? He goes to Tarsus, brings Paul back to teach. And notice the region of where, where Antioch is, it's called Syria. And so when Paul said in Galatians that he went to Cilicia and to Syria, that, that's what he's talking about. And now he's, he's stuck right in the middle of the church of Antioch, which turned out to be the, the great mission-sending church of that age, really, after Jerusalem. And so here he is teaching Jews and Gentiles alike, but especially lots of Gentiles are being saved. And Paul puts this in here in Galatians to say, I was way up there. The other apostles, uh, some of them were in various places sharing the gospel, they're way down here in Jerusalem. Guess what? We weren't comparing notes. I wasn't learning from them. I was just taking what Jesus had told me that the way of salvation is, what the good news is, and I was teaching it there in this, this place where the gospel was exploding. Well, what came of that? Well, verse 22 he says, I was still unknown by sight to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. So down in the area around Jerusalem, nobody really knew Paul there. They hadn't encountered him in his, his ministry and preaching. They'd, he had a reputation, right? Verse 23, only they kept hearing, he who once persecuted us. And interestingly, we have another one of those present tense verbs. He who had continually been persecuting us is now... Another one of those, those verbs. Now preaching, he keeps on preaching the faith which he once kept on trying to destroy. There's a change of the pattern of his life. His drive used to be to destroy the church. What they're hearing is, you know that guy that used to, we used to have to worry about coming and throwing us in prison and, and having people put to death? Well, here he's up in Antioch. And all he can do is give the same message that we have. Notice they say, the, 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 the reputation is he's now preaching the faith. That word, the faith, speaks of the body of truth that is believed by those who are Christians. That was his reputation. Not that he had, he had come up with his new, new brand of religion, but he was, he's teaching the faith. And from there, it says, they were glorifying God because of me. Understand, if Paul was teaching a different gospel than what the apostles were teaching in Jerusalem, would the believers in Judea be rejoicing and praising God over it? 
No, I think they'd had the same attitude as what we saw earlier in this chapter. If somebody's teaching another gospel, let him be accursed. They would be, oh, this is horrible. Now he's gone from persecuting us to twisting the message. No, no, they knew he was preaching the same message, so they're saying, praise be to God, glorify God. See how, what a great thing he has done. He's taken this great enemy of the faith and turned him into someone who's out there teaching the exact same thing that's being taught here in Judea. Praise the Lord. And Paul's point is, I truly am an apostle. You can trust my message. And so for the sake of the Galatians, he wrote this and said, be confident in the gospel message I sent to you. But it's also great for our sake too, isn't it? Because they got false teaching, Paul wrote this letter and we have these verses that say, look at the truth that Paul was truly sent by Jesus Christ and his message was absolutely right. His gospel is the way for you to be saved. By grace, through faith, right? So that should strengthen our confidence in our New Testament scriptures. Because Paul wrote a big chunk of it, didn't he? And here we have evidence that yes, in fact, he was sent directly from Jesus. His message came from Jesus. Everything he wrote and has been preserved for us in here is accurate. And we can trust him with our lives in believing it and living it out. Not only that, the next section tells us what happened when Paul finally did compare notes with the other apostles. And we'll get to that, Lord willing, next week. But what an amazing book we have, right? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for what you have done, how you have accommodated us so that we will have confidence and we will believe, that we will have We'll know that, that we, we have your word here, not corrupted by being passed down and, and being messed up, but in fact you gave it to Paul. Paul wrote it down and, and you have been so good to preserve it for us so that we can have truth. And we can then, like the, the churches of Judea, glorify you for what it is you did in Paul's life and what you have done in, in preserving uh, the words that you gave to him and, and the, the richness and the fullness and the freeness of, of salvation by grace through entrusting ourselves through faith in Jesus. Uh, strengthen us, please, in, in understanding that and also living according to it day by day uh, so that his name will be honored. In Jesus' name we pray for that.